Easy. I'm caught a bit off guard. The kids are getting so efficient at leaving the room. I thought we were going to have a few minutes. I had blueberries in my mouth ready to fuel up, but uh, let's get started, I guess, straight into it. Oh, actually, first of all, I just want to acknowledge how blessed we are um, as a community here worshipping to have Dan um, as a worship leader that comes in most weeks. And we, we shouldn't take it for granted to have someone that's led by the Spirit in that role most weeks getting up there and leading, not just our church, but the Salvation Army statewide, the Salvation Army Australia-wide. So thank you, Dan, for your service in that. I was going to text you through the week, but I thought it was better to just do it here with the mic in my hand. But yeah, we honour you, Dan, and thank you for everything that you do um, in that. Truly blessed. Well, the last few weeks, uh, we have been talking about the church. Hey, buddy. Hello. We've been talking about the church. For those that remember, two weeks ago now, Nate spoke about that Jesus has promised that he will build his church. He promised that there is no evil. Um, the gates of hell will not stand against the church that he builds. So we can be reassured that no matter what, if God is in control, if we allowed God to build his church, then it will not fail, but it will continue on. And then last week, Megan came, and she spoke so wonderfully about the body of the church, that so we all have a role to play. We have Christ as the head, um, and then we are the body with all our unique parts making up together one body to serve in that mission. And just a humble brag there as well. Megan delivers that message right on a Sunday. She works all week, full-time. She's got an 18-month-old, which she has to run around, pregnant with a second on the way. And then in a spare, tired time, she manages to run Rev as well. Yeah. And then brings a message like that for us all. And I'm not sure about you, but I think that tells you one important thing about Megan, is that she must have an incredibly supportive husband at home, right? You don't get that done by yourself. You need support. And here I am doing it. So good on me, I guess. Pat on the back. Well done. Um, but since we're talking about me, let's continue on that topic. Um, recently, around the house, I've been finding it a bit more difficult to get stuff done, right? And I'm not here like acting like a victim. I don't think I'm busier than everyone else. It's just the everyday chores that people have to do. But I'm sure as many parents can relate, when you have a young one, an 18-month-old around, those things are a bit harder, especially when they think they are helpful in what they're doing. I know if I'm around trying to vacuum, Buddy will follow me and he'll grab the stick and try to put it in all different directions. So I've already done that spot, Buddy. I don't need to go back there. Or I was whippersnippering the other day, which is probably slightly a bit more dangerous when he comes up behind you and grabs it. And then the big thing at the moment is watering the garden because Buddy loves the hose and spreading the water everywhere where dad doesn't want it, whether it's on the concrete, he loves watering the concrete with his Greek heritage coming out, making sure that's nice and clean. But also we have two pot plants at home, these big ceramic things. For some reason, one of them doesn't have a plant in it, but the other one does, a plant that needs water. So when I go out with the hose, I want to water that plant so it can have life, so it can grow. But in the 18-month-old mind, it is more important that the pot that has nothing in it is filled with water, right? So he'll grab it and he'll be filling it up and the job will not be getting done. I have the skills and the ability to water the garden. I can do that by myself. But Buddy, someone who does not, is not equipped as I am to do it, 
takes over and makes the job a bit more difficult and it's a longer process. And I was thinking last week as Megan talked about the body of Christ and Jesus being the head, about the story that Jesus has invited us to be his church, fulfilling his mission in the world, to renew all things, to make things new. Yet his love for us, his commitment to wanting a relationship with us means he doesn't go and do it by himself where he's far more capable in doing it without us. Jesus is all powerful, all knowledgeable. He could get the job done by himself, but his love for us as individuals, his love for us as humans means that he wants a relationship with us and not just a relationship where we spectate what he's doing, but when one that he has invited us in to do the mission as well. And I think when we look at the church, we can look at many of the failings of the church globally, maybe even inwardly as well, where we don't live up to that standard. But I think we need to be reminded of the beauty of Jesus, that the church is defined not by perfection, but by the relationship that he wants with us and that he wants to journey along with us. And not only that, but he empowers us as well. He gives us the power to get the job done. He doesn't leave us on our own natural abilities to do it. But today we're talking about the Holy Spirit and how Jesus has left the Holy Spirit for his church to continue his mission on earth. We talk about the church being a community, but we know that there's so many different communities and it's actually a bit of a buzzword, communities or families getting together at the moment. And there's different communities for all different things. But the church needs to be separated by this one thing, that the church is a community that is empowered by the Spirit. Uh, in the Baker Encyclopedia, uh, Encyclopedia, yep. it calls the community of the church, it talks about the history of it that Luke and, that's written in Luke and Acts. And it says, Luke and Acts presents the church as a community of people in which and through which the Spirit of God is working. And they continue, as Jesus is empowered for his mission by the Spirit, so the early church community is powered by the Spirit for its witness to the world. To be the church, to be the body of Christ, we must be empowered by the Spirit. So this morning, as we look at the fuel of the church, the Holy Spirit, I just want to bring three quick ideas about how we know that Rev Church is being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Signs that we can look around to make sure that what we are doing is empowered by the Holy Spirit and not our own natural abilities. And the first point I want to make today is that we know that Rev Church is empowered by the Holy Spirit when the people are humble. Mark says, writes in his book, Reappearing Church, that God moves when his people humble themselves, praying and seeking his face. We must be a humble people for God's spirit to move amongst us. We preach the good news every week that Jesus loves us, that Jesus came and died for each and one of us before we even knew him. While we were still sinners, Jesus came to die for us. He loves us all. But the truth is, in God's love, that he also rejects those who are proud. In James 4, 6 to 8, the writer says, But he gives more grace. Therefore, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to those who are humble. In 1 Peter 5, 5 to 6, Peter writes, Clothe yourself, all of you, 
with humility towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. To be filled by the Spirit, to be a church working in step with the Spirit, we must first take a position of humility. I liked it this morning in prayer. Chris spoke that he wants people to come to church knowing that they don't have to be perfect to be accepted to God, but accepted by God. But these verses tell us that God isn't asking for the perfect, not people that have perfection, but the opposite. Those that are humble, not proud. Those that know what they have is not enough. They are seeking the power of the Holy Spirit. They are seeking for more in their lives than what the world has given them. And in that as well, when we look at the Holy Spirit, we need to be reminded to approach it with humility because the Holy Spirit, what God has planned for us as individuals, what God has planned us as a body of Christ is not something that we earn from work. It's not something that we earn because of who we are or of our abilities, but it's something that we receive. When Jesus was leaving his disciples in Acts 1.8, You can't mention the Holy Spirit without saying this verse, but he tells his disciples, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes on you. It will be received. It won't be earned through their prayer. It won't be earned because they know all the verses in the Bible. It won't be even earned because they serve the poor, but they will receive it as a gift from God. To be a church that is fueled by the Holy Spirit, we must first take a position of humility And that way we can hear the Spirit as well. And secondly, we'll know that Rev Church is a church fueled by the Spirit when you're greeted differently. What I mean by that is that the people at the door of the church will greet you differently because they are fueled by the Holy Spirit themselves and the love that they felt of Jesus is overflowing in the way that they say hello, in the way that they say good morning to you as you welcome in. I take this principle from Acts 6. Acts, the story of the early church, they're building, they're growing and it's getting out of control. And these group of people come to the apostles and say that our widows aren't being fed. Our widows are being left out. They're not getting the food that they need to survive. And the apostles at the time are saying, we're doing all this preaching. We're doing all this prayer. We don't have the time to look after that. So we're going to need more people to get on board and come in. And they say, therefore, brothers, pick out among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit and full of wisdom who will anoint to this duty. And it continues in Acts 6, 5. So they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and the Holy Spirit. Remember, this job was simply to hand out the food to the widows that did not have food. And the apostle said, to do this duty, you must be full of the Spirit and of wisdom, of good repute. Now, I tell you, in the modern church, if someone's full of the spirit and of wisdom, they're generally picked out to be an elder of the church, right? To lead, to guide, to teach. Whereas the early church standard was that that must be someone to do any role, to hand out food, the job that no one else really wants. You need to be full of the spirit. And so we need to be reminded that if you are doing any role at church, if you're playing any part of the body, 
we must be people that are full of the Spirit in that role. It's not just for those that teach, not just for those that lead worship, but those that greet at the front door, those that take credit card payments for coffee, those that make the coffee, those that are on production must be people full of the Spirit. And now that may feel um, exclusive. That may feel like, oh, well, that means so-and-so can't do it. But I, I want to remind you right now that the Holy Spirit is for every believer. First, 1 Corinthians 12, 7 says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. The Holy Spirit was not given just for a select few in the body, but for each member of the body of Christ. We receive the Spirit when we repent and believe in Jesus Christ. In Acts 2.38, Peter says to the group, Did you not receive the Holy Spirit when you repented and believed? It was an expectation from the apostles that once you followed Jesus, once you believed in Christ, then you were filled with the Holy Spirit. It was not something that happened just for a few. It was not something that happened later on, but it was as a result of repenting and belief. Some of us are even unaware that this Spirit lives in us. There are Christ believers that walk around with the Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, dormant in their souls, sometimes waiting for the right time to use it or sometimes not even knowing it's there. Smith Wigglesworth says that we don't need to wait for the Holy Spirit before we know that the Holy Spirit is in us before we use it. He says, the Holy Spirit is within us, but it can be manifested only as we go in obedience to the opportunity before us. I believe if you wait until you think you have the power after you have received the Holy Ghost, you will never know you have it. Don't you know that the child of God who has the baptism is inhibited by the Spirit? He continues to urge us not to stop short of a full life of Pentecost, just waiting for the gift that you have already received. Now that gift may look different for some of us, how, we sh how it's shown in the certain gifts that the Spirit give us, how we act upon that in our role in the body of Christ. But it is important to note that that gift, we have all received the power of the Holy Spirit as Christ's followers. We're told to prophesy, we're told to encourage, we're told to greet. And sometimes prophecy can be as simple as just obedience in offering an encouraging word driven by a nudge from the Holy Spirit. If we, Rev Church, are going to be a church fueled by the Holy Spirit, then every role must be fueled by those that are Holy Spirit-filled, and that includes every believer. And finally, we will know that Rev Church is fueled by the Holy Spirit when it is doing the works that Jesus did on earth. Jesus came from heaven to be with us, Emmanuel, Christ with us, and the gospel is filled with stories of what Jesus came to do and what he did. In Luke 4, 18 and 19, Jesus prophesies about what he is destined to do. He tells the temple that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has set me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Pray for each other. In Matthew 9.35, Matthew recounts of all that Jesus did. He said that Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. In Luke 7.22, Luke says, Go back and report to John the Baptist what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleaned, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. We know the stories of what Jesus did of old, but when He left His disciples, He tells them that He is leaving, but you will continue to do the exact same works that I did, if not more. When we are fueled with the power of the Spirit, we are called to be doing what Christ did. We're called to be setting the captives free, to heal the sick, to proclaim the good news of Christ. And sometimes when I look at the church globally, sometimes when I look at the church locally as well, I wonder if we're settling for a Western standard of church, something that's changed over time. But I'm telling you right now that when we're filled with this Holy Spirit, we can't settle that church is just a place that has good coffee. Church isn't just a place that sings nice songs or counts people's hands that are raised on a Sunday morning. Church can't just be a place where we brag about that their people are kind or that people leave here with a full stomach or even that our claim to fame is that people come here and feel safe. The church is meant to be so much more than that. It is meant to be fueled by the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit so that Christ followers, the body of Christ, are doing the same works that Jesus did on earth, including preaching the good news, healing the sick, giving liberty to the oppressed. And that starts with the individual action, right? Mark says says that global renewal starts with individual renewal. We must first know the gift that we have been given, the power that is in each and every one of us, not because of what we've earned, not because of what we've done, but because of the gift that we can receive when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives. So right now, I think as we wrap up this morning, I've got the challenge for you today that we're not going to rely on just a couple up the front to pray um, for each other but the challenge is for each and every one of you to get around and rely on this power ask the Holy Spirit to equip you with words to pray for the person next to you we need to be a church where the individuals are equipped with this Holy Spirit so I ask you right now as we just spend a few moments um, in prayer maybe start by asking the Holy Spirit for words but continue by outpouring to each other and praying for each other because each and every one of us has that power within us because of the gift that Jesus Christ has for us. It may get a bit uncomfortable, but as Smith Wigglesworth says, it's within us and we must just first react. We must first be obedient to what is in our hearts. So I'll just start off in prayer myself and then we'll open it up. 
Thank you, Jesus, for the gift of the Holy Spirit that you've given us so that we can partner with you in the church. Holy Spirit, we just invite you now for to convict us, to give us that nudge to speak to someone, to maybe just prophesy and encourage, maybe pray for healing over people that are broken, over injuries that have had. The Holy Spirit, please come down this time, convict us, remind us that your power is working right through us right now. In Jesus' name.